This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News, episode 370. On now you know. Thanks to Delete Me for sponsoring this episode. You might remember a while back, I searched my name and easily found so many personal details, things like past schools, employers, and even my contact information and address. I also found a list of all of my close relatives, everyone except Zach. Yeah, I'm his dad, and I was not listed as a relative because I signed up for Delete Me, which took down my online footprint. Delete Me is a hands-free subscription service that will remove your personal information that's being sold online. So once you've completed your sign up for Delete Me, you log in to find your Delete Me personal profile page. You can let them know exactly what information you want deleted and their privacy experts take it from there. You will receive a detailed Delete Me report in seven days outlining what information they found and deleted. Data types removed include things like your name, age, address, and your past addresses and phone number. Even photos, email addresses, lists of relatives, social media, occupation, occupation, marital status, and property value. The information that you can easily find online when you search about yourself or a loved one is pretty scary. In the hands of bad actors, it can lead to scams, identity theft, or harassment. Protect your personal information online with Delete Me, and you can also give a Delete Me subscription to someone who may easily fall for online scams. Yeah, so sign up for Delete Me via our link in the description. Use our code NYK20 to get 20% off. Thanks to Delete Me for sponsoring this episode. So Tesla North America posted, Model Y rear-wheel drive is now available in the US starting at 32,890 after the $70 $2,500 federal tax credit and estimated gas savings. And Elon said, more affordable version, rear wheel drive version of the Model Y is now available. Note, it performs well on snow and ice with all season or winter tires. All wheel drive is nice to have, but not required for winter driving. So I was gonna say, how does Tesla keep doing it? How do they keep dropping the price of their cars while other automakers struggle to make EVs even unprofitably? But we know how Tesla does it through vertical integration and relentless innovations like GigaPress. Well, Tesla has done it again. So on Tesla's US website, we now get the cheaper Model Y rear wheel drive with a base price of, wait for it, 43,990. Wait, that's before the federal EV tax credit? Right, and we're gonna be talking more about that on its own story in a few minutes, but with the $7,500 federal tax credit, you can now get a 260 mile range Model Y rear wheel drive for 36,490. Holy crap. Yep. Now, it appears that this rear-wheel drive version is likely using LFP batteries, which is probably why the range is even lower than the discontinued all-wheel drive version that had 279 miles of range. So what's the difference between this rear-wheel drive version and the long-range version? Well, it's $4,500 cheaper. Uh, it's got one less motor, obviously, 70 miles less range. Also, it has a lower charge rate, so 170 kilowatts instead of 250. You can't get the seven-seat configuration. It's also less quick. Uh, zero to 60 time is 6.6 .6 seconds versus five seconds. So, I mean, this is amazing. Yeah, it is. Because when I bought my Model 3, I think it's cheaper. It's cheaper than my mid-range Model 3. I think this might only last till the end of the year. This is completely conjecture. Hey, hey, conjecture. 
But I think they're using Chinese batteries. And at the beginning of next year, that won't get the full tax credit. So my guess is that Tesla is finding this way to get the car even cheaper to get sales through the roof for this last quarter. Now, we talk about the U.S. federal EV tax credit a lot on this show. The ability to get up to $7,500 in federal incentives off the sticker price of an EV is a big deal. But it had lots of details and requirements that made it seem, I don't know, too good to be true for many consumers? We say had because the IRS just released new guidance for the tax credit last week, which should make it available to many more people and a whole lot easier and faster to get. We'll put a link below if you'd like to read 27 mind-numbing pages of tax code, which I did the other night and slept quite well. First, the guidance under topic H, question four, states that starting next year, what if a buyer has insufficient tax liability to fully use a transferred credit? The amount of the credit that the electing taxpayer elects to transfer to the eligible entity may exceed the electing taxpayer's regular tax liability for the taxable year in which the sale occurs, and the excess, if any, is not subject to recapture from the dealer or buyer. Okay, so I think I understood the question. You used to have to earn at least $66,000 per year to have enough tax liability to get the full credit in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, so this question is asking basically, what if I don't earn enough to get the credit? But I do not understand that answer from the IRS. What the IRS is saying in this new guidance is that the dealer will be able to file for the credit and pass the savings onto the buyer at the point of sale. Oh, so essentially, no matter what your income, you can get $7,500 off the sticker price at the point of sale? Well, yes and no. Yes, even if you have no income, you can get the $7,500 off if the car qualifies. And the no part? There still is the upper income limit. So if you earn more than $150,000 a year, single, or $300,000 married, then you can't get the credit. But if the dealer is going to be doing the credit yeah i think it's going to be up to the dealer to ask that question it from what i'm reading it doesn't seem the irs is going to check that's the whole recapture part so my guess is it doesn't matter anymore huh but i don't don't hold me to that okay i'm not a tax attorney <laughs> so when will this change go into effect january 1st 2024 so an eligible ev purchased in 2024 at a registered car dealer will get this simplified tax incentive so is tesla a registered car dealer since they're not a dealer yes they are yes so this would mean that on January 1st, this this coming January 1st, you could buy a new Tesla. And as long as it qualifies for the tax credit, all the parts are made in America, whatever the qualifications are, you will be able to have the dealer take the credit right off. The, you. Yeah, you won't even have to think of it as a credit. It'll just be like seventy five hundred dollars off. So do you think that consumers are going to wait to purchase EVs until January? Some might, but I think this is actually going to crank up U.S. EV sales next year because so many more people will now get to take advantage of the incentive and they won't have to wait to get the money back when they file their taxes. But like how many more people are we talking about? Well, the credit used to only really apply to people whose household income fell between about 75000 to 300000 That's about 39% of Americans. Now we get to add another 59% of Americans eligible for the incentive. Okay, but how many people in the under $25,000 per year segment can afford a new car? Okay, that's a fair point. So let's take them out and say that 41% more Americans, so basically double the number of people will be eligible for the EV credit starting in three months. I think it's going to be a huge deal. And you might be saying, okay, but Zach and Jesse, I think that if you earn under you know $66,000 a year, you shouldn't be buying a brand new car anyway. And I can understand that. But my thing here is 
the credit, the way that it has worked up until this point is kind of bonkers, hmm. right? Because you go, you buy your car, you're going to want to put down as much as you can on your car. So you're going to spend some of your money that is in your bank account. I went, I knew that I was going to get the credit. I was going to get a state incentive. I was going to do all sorts of things. I put down a whole bunch of my money hmm. and I had the best case scenario. I, I bought my car in December. So the, the tax year ended December 31st. So only a couple days. And then... I had to go file my taxes. When I got my return, that's when I got the credit. And I basically got a huge tax return, which was very nice. But for those months, I was sitting there with a hole in my bank account going like, I'm poor. I don't have any money. Even right. though I knew that I'd be getting some of that money back. Uh, and again, that was the best case. Some people would have to wait 18 months before they get their refund check. Right. Yeah. And it's scary because if you don't know the tax code and you do something wrong, you may not get the check at all. And I think that this is going to take a while to kick in because it's going to take a while for people to understand how this works, just like most tax stuff. Yeah, that's why you need to tell everyone about it. But once this starts to kick in, I'm going to guess maybe second quarter of next year, I think it's going to really ramp up EV sales. So Mario Nafal said breaking SEC sues Elon in Twitter stock purchase case. Another witch hunt has started. The SEC, which has been investigating Elon's 2022 purchase of Twitter shares, is now suing to force him to testify and comply with their subpoena. And Dare W says, will it ever happen? Elon says, I estimate the probability at 100 percent. Oh, great. So, so another run in with the SEC. That'll be fun. So what are they suing him about? You Look, can't, oh, this, you can't. Wait a minute. I forgot. You can't buy shares in publicly traded companies. I forgot about that. Uh, well, remember no. that rule that the SEC has? Look, this is just continued bullshit from the federal government trying to get Elon on something. I mean, you remember Joe Biden put the word out that like, hey, U.S. government, go after Elon. Yeah. And they're doing it. It's not going to work. And that's why Elon's so positive about it, because he knows this is bullshit. Well, Bob, we kind of knew this was coming because we spotted them taking photos at a Tesla Supercharger just over a week ago, but now it's confirmed. So, who's adding next this week? Well, a Hyundai, a Genesis, and a Kia walked into a bar. No, I'm kidding, Bob. They all parked at a Tesla Supercharger, and now the South Korean automaker Hyundai, which owns the sub-brands Kia and Genesis, has announced that they are joining the North American charging standard, better known as the Tesla Plug. So how's this rollout going to work, Bob? Well, Bob, Hyundai says that beginning in 2024 that Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis EVs will have the Nax port. Wow, that's just around the corner, Bob. That should put them well out in front of Ford. Well, Bob, it'll be Q4 of 2024. Oh, okay, so... Not very far out in front of Ford. Well, w what about in the meantime, Bob? Well, that's the weird part, Bob. Hyundai says that starting in Q1 of 2025, they will make an adapter available so that their cars with the CCS port can plug in at Tesla superchargers. 2025, Bob? I mean, that makes no sense. Why would the adapter take longer to roll out than the Nax ports on their EVs? You got me there, Bob. This is straight out of their press release, though. So let me get this straight, Bob. If I already own a Hyundai, Kia, or Genesis EV, or buy a new one between now and the end of next year, I'm not going to be able to charge at Tesla Superchargers until 2025? Well, you could charge at a Tesla Supercharger location that has the Magic Dock adapters. There are about 33 of them so far in North America. And to end on a positive note, Bob, I think we should give that hat tip to Aptera for having started this movement. Hat tip given, Bob, because you're right. Aptera was the first automaker to include the next charging outlet on their upcoming vehicles. Can't wait to drive one of those, Bob. Neither can I, Bob. And if you like what you're <clears throat> and if you like what you're seeing, hit the like button. So we've been following this issue for a while. What would happen if a group of Tesla owners who paid up to $15,000 for the full self-driving package finally got upset enough that it hadn't arrived and took Tesla to court? 
Well, it happened last year. Five plaintiffs took Tesla to court in California over the issue and proposed a class action lawsuit. But last week, U.S. District Judge Haywood Gilliam ruled that four of the Tesla owners had agreed to arbitrate any legal claims against the company when they accepted Tesla's terms and conditions when purchasing the vehicle through the Tesla website. A fifth plaintiff who did not sign the arbitration agreement waited too long to sue. And so Judge Gilliam ruled to dismiss the plaintiff's claims. Okay, so we have our answer. If you're not happy with Tesla's full self-driving, then you are bound to arbitration. What is arbitration? Look, I'm no lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. But I think it means instead of going to court and filing a lawsuit, you must file your dispute with the American Arbitration Association. You get assigned a single arbitrator. You state your case. Tesla states theirs. And the arbitrator comes up with a binding solution for your case. This appears to be a big ruling for Tesla because it implies that going forward, even if Tesla delays full self-driving and makes those who paid for it upset, they won't be able to file a class action lawsuit against Tesla. Each owner would have to arbitrate individually. And let's be real, most people are not going to do that. Well, I mean, why not? It sounds pretty simple. You just go to some arbitration place and tell them, I'm mad at Tesla. Okay. Call them up. You've probably signed a million arbitration agreements with companies that you've been upset with over your lifetime. Have you ever arbitrated anything? No, but I never paid $15,000 for anything that I didn't get. Yeah, sure. I mean, comment down below. Tell me what you guys think. But I just think most people aren't going to bother. I mean, the most you're going to be able to probably get is $15,000, right? Right. That would be, I mean, my guess. I mean, what are you going to claim? Like personal harm? I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, this is way less risky for Tesla than a potential class action lawsuit where a court could grant plaintiffs damages. So with most other companies, this would have moved the stock higher, but did it? Well, we're going to talk about that more on Now You Know's Investor Club bonus story this week over on Patreon. So please join us there. And so normally a class action lawsuit, you'd get all the plaintiffs together, everyone who bought Tesla full self-driving, you get some lawyers and the lawyers say, hey, we're going to take basically all the damages, but you're gonna, you guys are going to get checks. And people go, oh, I like getting checks in the mail. Then they would you know, bring it to the court. If they win, then Tesla would have to pay some ridiculous amount of money. It would get divided between mainly the lawyers and then the plaintiffs. And then you'd get a check in the mail, probably not for $15,000 unless they sued for some amazing damages. But usually most class action lawsuits that I've ever been a part of, you get like, Oh, 30 bucks. It's like a dollar an hour. Exactly. For my melosphemioma. Well, great. <laughs> great. All right, it's time for the Cybertruck Roundup. Yeehaw! The Cybertruck Roundup. How about a Cybertruck towing a Raptor? A Ford Raptor? Uh, no. So it's a SpaceX rocket engine at Starbase. Is that sexy enough for you? Oh, that's that's a Raptor engine. Raptor engine. A little bit more powerful than a Ford Raptor. Yeah, a little more thrust. Just a little bit. And this weighs about 1,600 kilograms or 3,500 pounds. So it is lighter. Than a Ford Raptor. Mm -hmm. Still more powerful. Although this doesn't look like a complete engine. But in theory, a Cybertruck should be able to tow four Raptors because Tesla has said that the Cybertruck has a towing capacity of over 14,000 pounds. And it appears that Tesla has been expanding their Cybertruck testing program because we've seen them pop up all over now in places like Ohio, Florida, and even in Mexico. These two Cybertrucks were spotted by Eric Johnson charging at a resort in Encinita, Mexico. Now, I read that this is the starting point of the Baja 1000 rally race. Didn't Elon talk about how Tesla might test their Cybertruck suspension in the Baja 1000 rally? Yeah. In 2020, Elon said this, we're working on increasing dynamic air suspension travel for better off-roading needs to kick butt in Baja. So the Baja 1000 takes place this year between November 13th and 18th. And so it makes sense that Tesla is getting two Cybertrucks down there and starting to prep for it. So if you attend... Please send us photos and videos. Actually, I have better than that. Uh, Because look at the top of this. What is on the top? 
Uh, oh, is that a Starlink dish? Uh, yeah, Elon just tweeted out Cybertruck in Baja, and we got seven minutes of video with a Tesla employee narrating the entire ride. Uh, basically, they're almost down at the bottom of Baja now. They started in San Diego. Uh, they live posted this with Starlink, so that's why the quality isn't perfect. Um, but you can see there's two Cybertrucks testing Baja as we speak. On this run and that day, the only thing that went wrong is they popped a couple tires. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Here in Mexico. We've got two release candidates from Cybertruck doing off-road durability testing because we really wanted to see firsthand how these trucks handled one of the most challenging routes in the world. These two trucks are straight out of the factory, except for some special race seats we've got installed. As you can see, we're getting jostled around pretty hard. Uh, we've got five-point harnesses for our safety, but otherwise this is off the factory floor. We've uh, obviously also attached a Starlink mobility unit, and that's what we're using for this live stream. So we've been out on this route for about a week now. Uh, we started, we started up at, oh boy, we started up at San Diego. I'll try and give you a view of that if I can hold it still long enough. We started up at San Diego. And we've taken the whole Baja Peninsula down. We're nearly to the bottom in Cabo. 1,280 miles later. This trip was pretty awesome and made possible by the Tesla Destination Charging Network. The team had chargers set up at hotels all along the route. So anyone with a Tesla can go follow the same route we did. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I urge you to go check out the whole seven minutes. A lot of cool stuff there. And hopefully they'll be posting some more. And I can't wait to see them hopefully in the race. So there's a Cybertruck that was spotted in Florida. And we know this because the bag in the front seat seems to match. Uh, here it is outside of Columbus, Ohio, with this video of the interior. Check this out. Why do we think it's Ohio? He's speaking Russian. Yeah, well, that's Russian, all right. Is this guy supposed to be in there? My guess is that maybe he works for the transport company, uh, Tesla. Look, I would consider disciplining your transport company if that's the case. He's saying things like, cool, this is how the hazard lights work. This is Elon Musk's bag, haha. -ha. Uh, we do get to see, though, the two-stage sun visor, kind of like the Model X. But going back to a Russian guy narrating the longest interior shot we've ever seen so far of the Cybertruck, I mean, was this on purpose? Or was this someone who shouldn't have been in there? Like, what do you think? Comment down below. Either way, we get to see the interior. Yeah, 
It looks pretty good. It does. I mean, look how fast the screen response time is. Yeah. Uh, and how about a Cybertruck launching off the line? Check out this video from Stumby that we found on the Cybertruck Owners Club. Should we race it? It's a prototype. I think it's like, yeah, it's like it's the 3D like first one. Yeah. I want one. <laughs> I'm sorry. This looks so cool. Look, look. <laughs> Yes! Yeah, I think the way that that video ended was indicative of how many people are going to feel that way when they start encountering them. I want a Cybertruck. I want one. Uh, what 060 time do you think that was, though? I feel like it was like around three seconds, maybe like what our Rivian R&T can do. I don't even know if it was totally flooring it. Um, but if it was the fast one, it could indicate that this is the tri-motor. Let us know down below in the comments what you think. Yeah, I mean, the video codec might have made it look slower in the beginning, like maybe they hadn't pushed the pedal down all the way. That's what it felt but like. It, but maybe just the the video couldn't keep up with how fast Well, and don't forget the car following it was also speeding up to go wow. through the light. So it's not like we're getting that from a point. And if you're looking for another good sign that Tesla is on track to start deliveries of the Cybertruck soon, take a look at this. Are those Cybertruck? Yep, Joe Tegmaier spotted these Cybertruck castings on Friday. Both front and rear castings are piling up. So, I mean, that is an act. This is a tower. Yeah. So the ones on the ground haven't been cleaned up yet. They still have the what's it called? The um, flash, the flashing. Mm -hmm. um, but the ones in the towers, I think, have been cleaned up. And so it's really I was trying to count them, but it's really hard because there's like multi levels and stuff. Wow. And many people said, like, why don't you keep those inside the factory? Because you don't need to. They're aluminum. And it looks like I was wrong. We reported last week on the Peterson Gala auction in L.A. where they were auctioning off the first Cybertruck. I said I thought it would go for a million dollars. It went for only four hundred thousand. Dollars has been two hundred, and a paddle was just ripped out of someone's hand. So our patrons were pretty much right. Yeah, I mean they pretty much nailed it. And I'm just surprised. I thought that you know you get a room full of rich people, and they would you know all start getting like, well, I'm going to be the first one with the Cybertruck. I'm going to write that million dollar check. But uh, I don't know. Maybe the stock market's not doing so well, and maybe that brought the price down. Yeah, I feel like um, you know. How much are you really going to pay for a truck that doesn't cost $400,000? Or that maybe you can't actually leave with that night. Anyway, if you want to learn all about this and more, we get all of our information practically now about Cybertruck from the Cybertruck Owners Club. Head on over there. There's so much community and discussion. And of course, there's a 3D configurator. So you can visualize your Cybertruck in your driveway in any wrap, color, or logo. You know that we review just about everything over on our sister channel. Now let's review. Yeah, and we have a pretty good job. It's pretty Pretty, pretty, pretty good. This week, for instance, we got to review the Scenic Tesla ring. It's a ring for your finger that you can magically unlock your Tesla Model 3 and Y with. Say goodbye to the days of hunting through your purse or wallet looking for your Tesla key card when you get to your car. And even though your phone acts as a key, there are still plenty of reasons why you might want your key to be here instead of here. Yeah, like when your phone's Bluetooth is acting up. Like I know yours has been ever since you got your latest phone. Or when you go for a run or swimming and you don't want to bring a lot of stuff with you. We show you how the setup process works. And we show you all of the different versions and what they cost so you can see if this is something you need to have. Or maybe it would make a good gift for that hard to shop for Tesla driver in your life. 
head over to the Nalus Review channel and check out all of our reviews today. And if you decide to buy a scenic Tesla ring, use our link in the show notes to save you some money. Now let's turn our attention to Corpus Christi, Texas, where Tesla is building their lithium refinery. At the refinery groundbreaking ceremony on May 8th, Elon said that the factory would produce enough battery grade lithium for 1 million EVs a year. And he said that the plant would be up and running in 2025. Now we get an update from Jason Bevan, Tesla battery materials manufacturing manager, who is speaking to local media in Texas during a recruiting fair for the plant last week. According to Bevan, we will begin commissioning the assets roughly the first of next year, and that will continue in earnest over the first half of next year. They will start ramping up production the latter half of next year. And it sounds like from what he told Channel 3 News that Tesla could also be planning on expanding its refinery. Yeah, he said, we have property that is well suited for a future expansion beyond these first two trains. So I think there is ample opportunity for further economic impact beyond just those direct employees that we hire. So Tesla owns almost 1600 acres at the site, about half the size of Giga Texas. We're going to show you here on this map. Okay, so two potentially big pieces of news here. Number one, Tesla's refinery could be up and running even faster than expected, potentially producing battery-grade lithium by next year at this time. And number two, Tesla could potentially expand the facility to make more than a million EVs worth of lithium per year. Yeah, I think it's easy for most people to overlook that Tesla aims to be vertically integrated whenever possible. Right. What other auto company refines their own lithium? So this $365 million refinery is going to help Tesla stay out in front of the pack, and I would argue is going to help bury them. Tesla will be able to continue getting the highest federal EV tax credits for their cars as the credit language makes it harder and harder every year to keep that half of the credit. Right, because every year, a bigger percentage of the battery materials have to come from North America or a short list of countries. And as Elon and Tesla's senior VP of engineering have talked about, lithium is abundant. It's the refining of lithium that is the limiting factor. And as Elon has said, lithium refining is a license to print money. So Joe Tegmeyer, drone pilot extraordinaire, has a fantastic six-part YouTube series on Tesla's Corpus Christi refinery plant site. You definitely want to check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes for his videos. And going back to this map here, look how close this site is going to be to Giga Mexico, which is 261 miles away, and Giga Texas, which is 209 miles away. Hmm. Tesla is going to be able to also recycle lithium from batteries at this site because they're going to be feed flexible. So this would allow Tesla to take the black mass from scrapped Teslas or any EVs, um, take that down to Corpus Christi and then refine it into more batteries, which they can then sell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about Redwood Materials, which J.B. Straubel runs and he's on the board of directors for Tesla. Well, they are making black mass. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be kind of perfect. Uh, and by the way, it's rails coming in with material and semi trucks going out. So much cool stuff to learn on Joe's video. And we're going to be talking more about that on this week's Investor Club bonus stories because there's a little little something you might want to know. So there are a dozen new Tesla semi-truck related jobs that appeared on Tesla's careers website last week, most of them in Sparks, Nevada. And this fits with Tesla's recently announced plans to expand Giga Nevada to contain semi-truck manufacturing. So if you watch Jay Leno's recent video of him driving the semi and interviewing Franz and Tesla's senior semi designer, Dan Priestley, you may have picked up on a few interesting tidbits. One takeaway I got was that Tesla very strategically first started using their semi-truck on their own parts deliveries from Giga Nevada to Fremont. This let Tesla learn about the truck. Then Tesla partnered with Pepsi to learn more about how they use the truck. Tesla has built around 70 semis, enough to get useful data. Now it appears that they are getting ready to put these lessons into the next version of the semi. For instance, Jay asked during his drive if the semi had hill hold. 
Dan told Jay it didn't have it yet, but they were going to implement it. Also, Jay asked about the two driver screens, if one of them could be configured to show different views, and Dan said that was coming as well. So while many Tesla naysayers make it sound like Tesla can't ramp up production, I think that the correct way to look at it is that Tesla is playing this smart. They know they're going into a new market and they want to get it right before ramping production. And we're going to talk more about this on this week's disruptive investing video, Tesla, pause for attack. And I just want to say Jay's channel is seen, you know, by millions of people. He's had over a million views on this video in just less than a week. And the average truck driver in America is about my age, over 50 years old. They all know who Jay is and they're probably all tuning in to see what's going on with this truck. And it was so brilliant to let Jay drive it. Now, I don't know if he has a CDL. Probably he does. Also, Priestley confirmed that Tesla has replaced its diesel trucks that are delivering from Gig of Nevada to Fremont. And they also talked about how they're using parts from Cybertruck, like the power inverters on the semi-truck and potentially the 48 volt architecture, although that's going to be down the road because they are keeping the 12 volt for the accessories that so many truckers need to plug into. Hmm. So you'd have three different voltage systems in the pack. You'd have the whatever voltage the traction battery is going to be. I'm assuming it could be 400 or 800 volts. Uh, yeah, they said it's going to be 800 to 1000 volts. OK, then you're going to have the 48 volt system for like windows, doors, lights. But then I'm assuming that they're also going to have another 12 volt system for 12 volt stuff. And Dan did mention 24 volts. So I don't know where that comes in as well. So Rivian has just released a new over the air software update 2023.38. I thought we should go through some of the new features. First up, it includes a redesigned drive mode app, which gives the driver a visual overview of the environment and the vehicle. In the drive mode selector page, you can now select from different drive modes, including all purpose, snow, conserve, all-terrain, sport, and more under one tab. The off-road drive models are listed under a separate tab for quad motor models and trailers get their own tab. Now, isn't this an internal release? Because I don't think we got it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it on my app yet. Uh, I don't think many people have either. I went on the Rivian forum and looked for it, but um, it looks like it does include Halloween mode like we saw last year. So I feel like it's going to be widely distributed soon because Halloween's coming up. I feel like it should have been released a month ago because everyone's already in the spooky season. So what else is included in the update? Rivian introduced a new gauge view, which gives you real-time visualization of battery temperature, motor temperature, tire pressure, and more. You can also view trip data like distance, speed, efficiency, duration, and total energy used. And while towing, the new drive mode app allows you to select the optimal mode for the trip based on terrain, road conditions, and more. And you can add up to three different trailer profiles. Rivian delivered 15,654 EVs in the third quarter which is up over 20% from Q2. Also, Rivian just added the max pack, approximately 180 kilowatt hours, which will give you about 400 plus miles of range to its R1 configurator. Now, this costs $10,000 more than the large pack, but it would give the longest range of any three row electric SUV, according to Rivian. We're going to be talking more about Rivian on our Now You Know Investor Club bonus stories this week. So please consider supporting us on Patreon and joining us over there. While we're talking about over the air software updates, Tesla has just pushed 2023.32.4. Did we get a Halloween noise or something? I don't think so, but we do get this. Improved camera quality now rolling out via over-the-air update. Well, I mean, Tesla can say that, but do we have any proof? How about this? Here's before. Uh-huh. And after. Wait, so that's just with software? Yep. Apparently, uh, this update is being brought to Tesla's with hardware three to give them similar camera capabilities as hardware four cars. Oh, and 
We get this. Elon says, new Tesla safety feature uploaded via over-the-air software update. Your car just got better while you slept. Tesla North America had tweeted, if an airbag is deployed, hazard lights will automatically activate and flash faster to improve visibility. Update now rolling out to all U.S. Model 3s and Ys, as well as S and X. So 2020 and newer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I had been noticing this camera update sooner because I think I'm on the full self-driving release branch. Um, and it really looked like they added a whole bunch of like automatic adjustments to the like, especially the side repeater cameras, which usually look like crap because mm -hmm. um, they weren't ever really intended to be used by humans. Mm. Um, so I think it like cleans everything up. It, it helps all the colors. It makes it a lot more clear, even when the blinker is going. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't even know if this is for us. I mean, right. well, it's for us, but like, I think they were already seeing pretty well. It's just that it was a computer looking at the data. Right. Um, so it's either that the camera likes seeing it the old way or they cleaned it up for the camera now. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So Ford released its Q3 sales numbers last Thursday, and it had its best third quarter for EV sales. Good job, Ford. You sold more than 20,000 EVs in that quarter. And so you beat GM in Q3. Because Ford had a six-week shutdown at their Rouge EV Center last quarter, Ford F-150 Lightning sales took a hit, dropping 46% from Q2 with only 3,500 sold in the quarter. Then how did Ford reach 20,000 sales? Well, the Ford Mustang Mach-E sales were up 42% quarter over quarter to 14,842 units in Q3, and their e-transit sales were up almost 90% to 2,617 units. But Ford says they are on track to triple lightning production capacity and are now introducing its new flash lightning trim that'll have 320 miles of range, a loaded high-tech cabin, and a heat pump, and it'll have a starting price of $69,995. Ford says that this flash variant hits the sweet spot for customers as it takes favorites from the XLT and the Lariat versions. So it sits between the XLT and the Lariat trim prices. Yeah, and so it qualifies for the federal EV tax credit because it's under the $80,000 limit. But hang on, the Lariat was also under the $80,000 limit. Yeah, but it was so close that if you added any accessories practically, you would push it above the $80,000 limit. So I think they did this so that you could add to your heart's content and still get the credit. I see. I don't really know what they cut out of the Lariat, so I don't know how they get the price down by $7,000. <laughs> it's just stuff you don't need. So in Q3, pure EVs made up a little over 4% of Ford sales. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Ford can stay ahead of GM, which sold 20,092 EVs in Q3, and Rivian, which sold 15,564 in Q3. And just... Just remind me again, just to get some perspective. I mean, how many Teslas were sold in Q3? Well, Tesla doesn't break down numbers by region, but Tesla sold 435,000 units worldwide in Q3. And the U.S. is their biggest market. So even if conservatively they sold half in the U.S., that would be 10 times what Ford sold. Gotcha. Okay, so GM sold just over 20,000 EVs in Q3. Do we have a breakdown in terms of model? Yes, let's start with the Hummer EV. In Q2, didn't it sell just 47 of them? Yes, but they pulled out all the stops in Q3 and delivered 1,167 EV Hummers. Wow. Oh, good for you. That's their biggest Hummer quarter so far, and they've been selling the EV Hummer since 2021. Yeah, the Hummer is built on the Ultium platform, just like the Cadillac Lyric, which also had a record quarter. GM sold 3,108 Lyrics in Q3, double what they did in Q2. So it sounds like the machines that GM ordered came in. What machines? The machines that automate putting the battery cells in the modules. That was being done by hand, which was slowing everything down. Oh, I guess that must have been it. Anyway, GM delivered 19 Blazer EVs, 18 Silverado EVs, and 35 Zevo 600 Bright Drop delivery vans in Q3. Well... Hang on. 
That doesn't add up to 20,000. Oh, right. Sorry. The old-fashioned Chevy Bolt sold 15,835 units, up 13% from Q2. That is not built on the Ultium platform yet. Right. I would just like... This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To remind our viewers that GM announced back in 2017, back when our show was in its second year, that GM was going to have 20 new EVs by 2023. It is now 2023. And by my count, GM has number one, the Bolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the Bolt EUV. I'm being super generous. Okay. Uh, number three, EV Hummer. Mm-hmm. Number four, Cadillac Lyric. Mm-hmm. Number five, the Blazer EV. Number six, the Silverado EV. And they are 14 short. Well, maybe you should count the Zevo 600 by Bright Drop. GM technically owns Bright Drop. Okay. GM is 13 short. And don't forget that GM CEO Mary Barra also predicted that GM would deliver a million EVs globally by 2025. Well, they've still got a couple years to reach that goal. So you're telling me there's a chance. So they just need to sell about 400,000 next year and 400,000 the year after that to make their goal. Right. Do you think GM can do it? You electrified the entire automobile industry. You led and it matters. Do something that Tesla did last year? Um, no, actually, I don't. And speaking of the big three, as of Friday, October 6th, the UAW's president, Sean Fain, has announced that GM has leapfrogged Ford and Stellantis and agreed in writing to have all of GM's battery plant workers be covered under the union's master agreement. This came right after the UAW planned to expand its strike to GM's Arlington, Texas assembly plant. So it's looking like GM's going to have trouble cutting EV prices going forward since the latest wage increase offer from Ford is 23% and GM and Stellantis are at about 20%. And it's probably going to go up from there. Yeah, I mean, considering that GM takes about 20 to 24 hours to build one of their EVs, according to the Center for Automotive Research, labor makes up 10 to 15% of the cost of building their EV. So a little back of the napkin math here. I mean, let's take the Chevy Equinox. GM's CEO, Mary Barra, says that Chevy is aiming for the starting price to be $30,000. So that means around $4,500 of that is labor cost. Now, if GM ends up paying, let's say, 25% more for labor, that would be $5,625 or $1,125 more. Yeah, let us know in the comments if you think we're close on our math. But yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to come in under $30,000 for that car. Unless they miraculously make cheaper batteries, which maybe they could do if they had um, vertical integration, which they don't. So did we get any Q3 sales numbers from Hyundai? Yes. Hyundai announced they sold 11,665 Ionic 5 EVs in Q3. That's up 143% year over year. And Hyundai's Ionic 6 electric sedan, which launched in March, sold 5,073 in Q3. Hyundai also had strong sales of the Kona EV with 18,873 in Q3, a 16% year over year increase. Hyundai claims that it invested $12.6 billion in EV manufacturing in the US and will generate over 50,000 new jobs. Hyundai also announced that starting next month, buyers will get a new complimentary ChargePoint HomeFlex Level 2 EV charger and installation assistance of up to $600. 
That's pretty nice. Yeah. And that's mainly to make up for the fact that they don't qualify for the EV tax credit. So, And that you can't plug them into the Tesla supercharging network. Yeah. Uh, next up is our buddy Will from across the pond to explain something about how tea time affects the British electrical grid. A long, long time ago, well, seven years ago, I remember watching Tesla Time News where Jesse was enjoying the range anxiety of his Nissan Leaf and Zach was shocking people with Sparky the spaceship. But one episode really stuck with me where you guys featured this. Nissan Leaf commercial is now 12 years old, but I think it's still such a powerful eye-opener as to how our electrical appliances, including EVs, are powered. Just how is that electricity generated when we flick a switch? Now some might say that we British folk are a bit obsessed with tea. Sorry, just give me a minute. Tea's going cold. Mm. Oh, lovely. Now some might say that we British folk are somewhat obsessed with tea. Well, I suppose we do drink quite a lot, especially between coffee breaks, but this does cause a little issue for the national grid. Because when there's a popular show on the telly and commercials come on, there's often an enormous spike in electricity demand as people pop the kettle on. Go and put the kettle on. The great big kettle surge is known as TV pickup, where the national grid often braces itself for an additional thousands of megawatts surging throughout the nation, all because of an ad break during a primetime TV show or special televised event. Oh, thank you. Oh dear. oh dear! Millions of kettles create a whopping surge, and often we have to call on our neighbours in France to supply that extra boost in power. Ta very much, France! Oh, merci beaucoup! Over on one of my favourite geeky websites, the National Grid Live, we can see that in 2012 coal was the majority energy source to power our country, whereas today a third of our electricity is coming from those bird-killing monstrosities, wind turbines! Oh no, no wait, that's cats. Cats kill billions of birds, wind turbines give us clean, sustainable energy with zero emissions for the rest of time. So rest assured, British audience, our entire grid, but more importantly our kettle's power supply, is getting cleaner all the time. And for the American audience, here's a tip. If you want a perfect cup of tea, remember, a good cup of tea is the colour of He-Man. You're welcome. Anyway, a best crack on with more Tesla jigsaw videos. I put the kettle on first, obviously. You take sugar. No thank you, Turkish. I'm sweet enough. Do come and subscribe to Tesla Jigsaw on YouTube. But for now, back to you, Zach and Jesse. Now you know. Seriously, go subscribe to Will's YouTube channel, Tesla Jigsaw. Thank you, Will. And if you want to share a clip you've seen on the show, but you don't want to share the entire one hour long show, go to our Now You Know Clips channel on YouTube or X, where we have a lot of these clips chopped into little bite-sized shareable pieces. Next up, it's Ellie in Space with this week's Space News. Hey, Zach and Jesse. Not a lot of activity this week in this SpaceX news report, but here are some new developments. Elon Musk spoke virtually at the International Astronautical Congress about Starship. However, many called the update impossibly boring. And I did make a short, however, from Elon saying that you are invited to Starbase. A lot of people have this question for me, wondering if they are in fact allowed to go. And here's what he said. I, I recommend people visit uh, Starbase. Um, as it turns out, it's, it's on a state highway so for the i think it's one of the rare situations where uh, and i actually don't mind i think it's kind of cool that the, that the public can actually drive within 
a literal stone's throw away from the factory and the launch site and actually see the rocket firsthand. And in fact, uh, if you go on the internet right now, including on the X platform, there are people who are live streaming at 24 seven, uh, the entire construction, uh, launch pad, everything. So, so it's, it's, if people say like, well, can, can I go see it? It's so easy to go see. You can just literally fly to Brownsville and drive down, drive to the beach and you can see it literally a stone's throw away, the factory and the launch site. So anyone who wants to do that, I, I recommend it. It's very, very easy. <laughs> no permission required. So there you have it from the man himself. He actually liked this short on X. So now you know your visit to Starbase is approved. And also in other SpaceX news, they won a Space Force contract. It is their first contract with the US Space Force for its new Starshield satellite constellation. The one-year contract is worth $70 million we don't know a lot about Starshield, but SpaceX has revealed the project will use the same type of broadband technology found in their Starlink satellite constellation. But this will be geared towards government uses, particularly by the US military and associated agencies. SpaceX also has an official website for this project, and they will have three main uses, Earth observation, communications, and hosting, quote, the most demanding customer payload missions. And we, of course, had more successful Starlink Falcon 9 launches, in fact, we are seeing a trend of back-to-back -back launches from Florida and California, and SpaceX also posted on X that they are hiring. They posted, quote, SpaceX has completed 70 Falcon launches so far this year, 20 of which have been supported by our team at Vandenberg, with a link to their active jobs. I know that this is a SpaceX report, but it's worth mentioning that Amazon launched its first two prototype satellites for Project Kuiper. Now, this is another low Earth orbit constellation that aims to rival Starlink. However, we cannot call it a Starlink rival yet. And remember to mark your calendars for Thursday if you want to watch the NASA SpaceX Psyche launch. This is targeted for October 12th at 10.16 a.m. Eastern Time, and this mission will take us on a journey to a metal-rich asteroid. So I hope that you enjoyed this update. Thank you so much. And if you want to check out my channel, I'm Ellie in Space. Thanks, Ellie. Yeah, it's so great that everyone is welcome at Starbase in Texas. And congratulations to Elon for being this year's winner of the IAF World Space Award. Elon said, thank you on behalf of the people of SpaceX for whom all credit is deserved. All right, time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson shaving. shaving. Thank you so much to Henson for my wonderful shave this morning. Uh, these razors are amazing. They are machined aluminum. They use EDM machining, which is not electronic dance music. And you might be wondering why we're talking about shavers on the show. It's because they're sustainable. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy tons of cartridges. The blades themselves are recyclable steel. So yeah, go get one. You're going to love it. And you can get 100 free blades if you put them in your cart and use the code now you know at checkout. So check out this portable mini mart called the Nomad. It's designed by Juxta, a micro convenience company that was founded in North Carolina in 2022. It's not a startup that formed in someone's garage, but rather a subsidiary of the industrial tech company Vontier. And I assume Vontier is a big company? Yes, it's a spin-off itself from Fortive Corporation in 2020. But as of last year, Vontier had 8,100 employees and is valued at $16.8 billion. So what makes this portable mini mart so special? Well, it's designed to be a turnkey solution for EV charging locations in the US and Europe because it's autonomous. It's completely unstaffed. Okay, but isn't this just a vending machine? Well, yes, a smart walk-in vending machine. You swipe your card, you enter the store, and while you're in there, Nomad's cameras and AI figure out what you took off the shelves, and you can then just walk out with your purchases. Okay, so no employees needed. Right. 
I think Jux's idea is that instead of having to find existing brick and mortar locations that fit EV charging, they can kind of do the opposite. Oh, I see. I mean, Juxta can install these at, say, existing supercharger locations that might be in the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, remember uh, Green River, Utah? The supercharger we went to on our first road trip with Sparky? Well, actually, that one's gotten better since we were last there in 2016. There's now a history museum there. Is the world's largest watermelon still there? Yes, it is still there. Don't worry. Nice. So with Juxta's Nomad, you wouldn't have to walk like a few blocks like we did to find a convenience store. And Juxta wouldn't have to have such a large operational budget because there's no staff to pay. Right. So it could be open 24-7, 365 for way less than a traditional convenience store. My question is, one of the services that EV drivers want in a location like this are restrooms. But my guess is that it's not something Nomad offers because, of course, you'd have to have plumbing hookups. You'd also have to have employees, which would go clean the bathroom. Yeah, but I mean, I think like once a day or something, you're probably going to send a service there to go restock it. And so that same service could oh, you know, clean the bathroom. I think of that one. Well, we're reaching out to Juxta to see if we can find out all these questions, which is why you should consider hitting the like and subscribe buttons. It helps us get these interviews with companies like these. You can check out Nomad at First Choice in Denver and Golden Pantry in Watkinsville, Georgia. So if you find them, send us your thoughts and your photos. Oh, they're actually out in the world. Yeah. Oh, OK, cool. All right, it's time for Going Green. Now, I know that we're getting to that part of the season where most people are pulling their boats out of the water, but... Here's a maybe for next year. Okay. This is the R30 by Blue Innovations Group, or BIG. Ooh, let's hear some specs. The 30-foot R30, get it, comes with a 221-kilowatt-hour battery, which powers two 300-kilowatt motors wow. for a combined output of 600 kilowatts, or 800 horsepower. Um, this can carry it up to 39 knots, or 45 miles an hour. Wow. So it can go, like, full speed for, like, 20 minutes. Well, Big says that it has a runtime of eight hours, although according to my calculations, that would be at about 5% average throttle, which, I mean, if you know anything about traveling through water, it'll still get you going pretty quick. The R30 also comes with a fold-out solar canopy, which provides 2.7 kilowatts of solar power. Wow, so that would take a while to fully charge this battery from just solar, though. Well, Big says that it takes a week to get 50%, which is a long time, but most people are lucky if they can go boating every weekend. The stern folds out to make what Big calls the Ocean Terrace, and below deck houses a marine bathroom, kitchenette, and is also air-conditioned. Wow, that sounds great. I bet some of our audience would love to sail that next year. Well, deliveries aren't starting until Q3 of 2024, so bit late in the season, and the price tag is estimated to be $300,000. Ah, uh, yes. As with all boats, if you have to ask the price. All right, it's time for Sunspots. You know, Jesse, we talk a lot about solar power in terms of electricity, but did you ever think of solar in terms of water? Water? Yeah, there's this new research out from MIT and Shanghai's Jiaotong University in this paper called Extreme Salt Resisting Multistage Solar Desalination with Thermaline Convection. They talk about this. What is this? Well, this is essentially taking solar energy and without pumps, making fresh water flow out of salt water. Okay, well, I know that we desalinate water. So what's different about this? Well, see how it's at this angle? Take a look at this diagram. Basically, by putting it at an angle, the scientists get to take advantage of the fact that hot water and fresh water rise while cold, salty water falls and... Oh, I see. So it keeps drawing in more salt water without having to pump it in. Right. So in theory, you could just set up a bunch of these units and according to the scientists, you could produce about four to six liters of drinking water per hour and you wouldn't have to provide replacement parts or batteries. Well, that's pretty cool. 
But what's the big deal? I mean, we already have desalination plants like this one. This is the Ras al Khair desalination plant in Saudi Arabia, which makes about 274 million gallons a day. Um, and it costs just $7.2 billion to build. And it uses 2.3 gigawatt hours per day, or about $235,000 per day in electricity. I can't really wrap my head around 274 million gallons a day. How many households a day would that be? That would be around 900,000 households. So picture a pretty big city like Philadelphia. Wow. And we're talking like showering, cooking, like everything. Yeah. Obviously, this system isn't really designed for producing enough water for a city, but it could easily be scaled to provide the water for small villages, especially those that live in coastal regions. Evelyn Wang and her team at MIT thinks that the system could be built for about $100 and that would provide fresh water for a whole family. We should build one. I think so, too. I mean, look, it looks pretty simple. Yeah. Hey, and if you love solar and you'd like to go solar yourself, but you've got lots of questions, you could either call MIT or you could call our friends at Energy Pal. They will probably pick up the phone and they will answer all your questions for free. Let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. The link is down below. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Remember, we need your stories to make this show great. So send us your two minute or less stories, shoot them in landscape with good audio and no music and send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Who do we have this week, Jess? Sean sent us this story about trying to use the programmed charging feature on this Toyota RAV4 plug-in hybrid. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Sean coming at you from Canada. I live in Alberta. I own a Tesla Model Y, and I know how easy it is for me to program when I want to start charging my vehicle. It doesn't necessarily benefit me as far as charging rates go because we don't have decreased rates for electricity in the, the evening hours. But I am here in Ontario with uh, my parents' RAV4, Toyota RAV4 Prime, and they do uh, benefit from very cheap rates here in Canada, as cheap as two and a half cents per kilowatt after 11 o'clock. And uh, my parents like to just sort of plug their vehicle in by hand when it's it's the cheap time to, to charge. But I said to them, that seems a bit ridiculous. There must be a way of setting it up so that you can just... Uh, tell the vehicle when you want it to start charging. And so I found out that there is actually an app for their their vehicle. There is a Toyota app and app is, I couldn't believe to actually get the app to do anything functional. It's $10 a month that they would have to pay to be able to get a subscription basically to be able to use the app to be able to have it do anything functional. And I thought, okay, well, uh, maybe there's a way of just programming the monitor because it does have a, a monitor in the front here. But I pulled up the online manual and it is 620 pages for the manual. And I started taking a look at the section on charging and it just goes on and on for pages about programming individual things and it lost me after, you know, a couple of minutes of taking a look at it. And I just thought, incredible. I cannot believe how ancient this technology seems. This is a, a 2021 Toyota RAV4 hybrid that I plug in hybrid that I sort of told them not to buy. I said this would be old technology in no time. But um, I just wanted to share with you how lucky we are to have the technology that we do with uh, the Teslas. Now you know. Wow. 2021 Toyota RAV4 came out and it was already using outdated tech. That user manual is crazy. <laughs> For such a simple thing, such as scheduled charging with, uh, you know, I would say. All right, 400 pages of yeah, that. And it, it doesn't even work. 
I, that's pathetic. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. You can head on over to Patreon, join for as little as a buck a month, really support the show. And we're going to talk about this week a whole bunch of things, including uh, Jesse has a conjecture about something that he saw on the Model Y and the Model 3, along with uh, Investor Club bonus stories and much more. We'll see you over there. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It is time for a Patreon poll. Uh, remember Ricardo Montalban? No. From Fantasy Island. No. Uh, well, I asked, have you seen a Tesla advertisement yet? Because we know that Elon said they were going to do it. Uh, but have we seen them? And yes, I have, says 3% of the people who responded. So A lot of them were counting X as their advertisements. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so mainly no. So no. Speaking of X, it's time for Elon's X's of the week. Doge designer said Elon Musk's documentary to be called Musk. Elon says Gibney is a d Noah Smith says Michael Lewis just called FTX a great real business. Are you kidding me? Elon says, wow. Farzad Mezbahi says, I can't believe what I just read. Elon says, 60 minutes of BS. Speaker Kevin McCarthy said, bring it on. Congressman Matt Gates says, just did. Elon said, this exchange is amazing. So it's all happening on X. Hmm. Elon tweeted out, as a summer intern many years ago, I wrote software for video games at a company called Rocket Science. This was long before SpaceX was even conceived. Didn't realize until a friend gave me a copy today that they included me in the credits. And then Elon said, believe what you see, not what you're told. More about this subject on our Patreon Investor Club bonus stories this week. Farzad Mazahi says, anyone that's interested in Musk's companies needs to read this book. If you've already read this book, not a bad idea to read it again. And this is The Innovator's Dilemma. Elon says, we'll read it next time I'm in a dilemma. I wonder when that's going to be. Maybe tomorrow. Doc J says, can we just have a full-time CEO for Tesla? Elon's spending too much time on X to recover his $44 billion bad investment. But at the same time, he is hurting the market value on Tesla and hurting Tesla shareholders. Holmar's catalog says Elon has never been the CEO of only Tesla, but he puts in more time and delivers more value than any full-time CEO. The last time the company had a full-time CEO, it was a total disaster. Tesla up 20,000% since inception, with Musk being CEO of SpaceX, etc. the entire time. Elon says, fools with bad judgment will always be fools with bad judgment in my experience. And he went on to say, sometimes they question if I should even run Tesla. My response is simply, which CEO on that list would you prefer? Nice one. And he said, I only have 0.4 donuts at a time because my brain neural network quantizes it down to zero donuts. Elon said, citizen journalism is the path to better future. I strongly encourage people around the world to post news about events as they're happening in both text and video. Hansa says, great engineer and businessman, but recently a pretty horrible human stomping on vulnerable people instead of helping them. And they're talking about Elon? Yep. And Holmar's catalog says, in today's bizarro world, the man who's spending tens of millions of dollars to support Ukraine is, quote, stomping on vulnerable people and a pretty horrible human being. While the guy who puts a Ukrainian flag in their bio is considered a hero. Elon said, let's not be too hard on the NPCs. They just say what they're programmed to say. Sriram says the core of the Michael Lewis book is the author is unable to reconcile himself with the fact that he has spent hundreds of hours essentially with the con man. And so this is the book about Sam Bankman-Freeman, SBF, the... Yeah. FTX guy. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll hear more about that later. Yeah. Uh, Tesla Australia, New Zealand says Model Y is now New Zealand's best selling car. Doge designer says Elon Musk broke some gaming live stream records and is now one of the most successful streamers on the internet. Pytha Doge says, please make it happen again. Elon says, okay, we need to fix some scaling issues and then I will test the system again. You went on to say, thank you for clarifying that you support advertising on X. And this is to the Anti-Defamation League that I guess backed down. And he said, also very much appreciative that ADL has bought advertising on X. So that didn't last long. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Elon said, the reason so many great engineers work with me is because I understand and appreciate their work. And this is referencing Tom Mueller, who used to be the chief engine designer at SpaceX. Alex tweeted out, the Brandenburg authorities confirmed no unusual amount of accidents at Giga Berlin. Following a report in Stern magazine about allegedly unusual frequent workplace accidents at Giga Berlin. Elon said, yep. Jason Calacanis says they're preparing for an alien invasion or a civil war, 100%. And this is about that national test uh, that we all probably got on our phones. Elon said, this was weird. Not the B says, oh, look, the Biden administration is building the wall. Not a joke. It just waived 26 laws to make this happen. Details here. Elon says, strange how the media used to say that building a wall was both evil and impossible, but now crickets. Greg Price says, just so we're keeping score, the Biden DOJ is suing SpaceX for not hiring refugees. The DOJ and SEC are investigating Tesla. The EEOC is also suing Tesla. The FTC demanded Elon hand over internal Twitter comms. And the SEC is now investigating Elon's purchase of Twitter. Elon says, just a coincidence that it happened all at once. Colin Rugg says, just in, Elon Musk calls for the overhaul of agencies like the SEC and calls for the punishment of people at these agencies who abuse their power for political reasons. Good, let's do this for all three-letter agencies. Elon said, it's going to be amazing. The amount of dirt that will come to light from certain past and present people at these agencies will blow your mind. That's why he's looking forward to the lawsuits. Interesting. It's called Discovery. Gail Afar says, so for those thousands of legacy media outlets that auto-publish things to X, Facebook, LinkedIn, Tumblr, or whatever, when they auto-publish to X, it will not also publish their clickbaity headline. They'll need to post articles in long form on X. Actually work. Elon says, oddly enough, The Verge headline got it right. <laughs> Homar's catalog says the SEC argues he should have paid more for Twitter. Elon says, seriously. Elon tweeted out a good Halloween costume idea. If you want to scare the heck out of people this Halloween. He went on to say the real fight is not between right and left, but rather between humanists and extinctionists. K10 says, oddly, the ones wanting to eliminate others don't want to be eliminated themselves. Yeah, if someone is keen to have fewer humans on Earth, they should start with themselves. Elon says, if there's a big scandal about me, my only request is that it be called Elongate. If. <laughs> Alex says, I love how Elon's gaming setup includes a candle the size of a child. Elon says, fitting for Diablo. Homar's catalog says, nobody knows about Tesla, but everybody knows about Elon's tweets and they are very offended by them. Elon says, insert NPC cartridge. Elon says, what will it take to beat hate? He answered himself, be stronger than those who hate you so they cannot destroy you and then forgive them. Wow. Hmm. Homar's catalog says, no legacy automakers in the top 10. And this is electric vehicles in the world. Elon said, Chinese automakers are the most competitive in our experience. Tesla owner Silicon Valley says Elon is being told of a list of companies competing against SpaceX in 2007. And here he responds, we have no serious competition. Well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Who is your competition? We have no serious competition. None. Not presently. And then Elon said, I wish we did. Shibatoshi Nakamoto says after this article about how crypto has no innate or inherent value, according to the SEC, then return all the taxes y'all made me pay for receiving it, you horrific evil hypocrites. Elon said it's real if you have to pay taxes, but otherwise not real. Elon then posted that Starlink is now proved in Zambia. And he said taking the path to hatred is to fail. Nice way to end it. Hmm. All right. Community mail time. Community Remember, send your stories, your photos, your videos to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Let's see what we got this week. DC spotted this Audi e-tron parked in Portland, Oregon. Dustin saw this Model Y and a Lucid Air parked outside a Village Wine and Spirits. Sergio spotted this Fisker Ocean in San Diego, California. Nice. Good to see them on the road. Rance found this camo-wrapped Model 3 at the Jasper, Florida Supercharger. Michael spotted this Rivian R1T in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands? <laughs> what? How'd they get it there? <laughs> Ishe saw this Model Y taxi driving around Vancouver, British Columbia. Mike spotted a honky EHS9 charging at a 
Foxtech supermarket in Ega, Denmark. And looks look how it had to park to plug in. <laughs> Only takes up three spaces. Yeah. Omar found this chrome wrapped Model 3. Jason sent us a picture of Portland, Oregon's first EV fire truck with a 10 hour battery along with a diesel engine backup. Mm. Doug sent us this screenshot showing that you can now pre-order the Cybertruck in Canada with a $150 Canadian deposit. And speaking of Cybertruck, Daryl spotted this Cybertruck driving around Sacramento, California. They're popping up everywhere. Raphael saw this blue BYD Han in Antwerp, Belgium. Yuri spotted this gold Model Y in California. Oh, wow. Domenico saw this Ford F-150 Lightning outside of ShopRite in Rockaway, New Jersey. Pamela spotted these GMC EV prototypes in camera wrap charging at Blue Heron Service Plaza in Genoa, Ohio. And Daniel sent us this picture of him using his thermal camera Ah. to spot a water leak in his home. Check out our review of the Top Don TC004 thermal camera. Great, great job, Daniel. That's what we use it for. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what people have spotted out there in the world. All right, this is Graham Calder reporting in for Tesla Time News and my road trip from Chelsea, Quebec to St. Andrews, New Brunswick. We are on our leg home and I had to stop in Miramichi for some clients. And unfortunately, there are no superchargers anywhere nearby. And I went and plugged in overnight uh, with a very slow charger, but as you may know, it takes a very long time to get a bit of charge off of that and uh, would not have made it to any superchargers nearby on the battery that we had. So I had to stop here at the NB power station and uh, charge, I think it's uh, 7.6 kilowatt hours. Very, very, very slow. Um, So I managed to get very close. I'm just above the amount of kilometers that I need to get to the next supercharger. So we're going to see if we can pull that off. And uh, the only advantage to this spot is there's an amazing German bakery right around the corner. And there's a hotel right behind me that has really nice clean washrooms. But to be honest, this is the first time I've ever experienced range anxiety. when I got up in the morning and looked at the battery and and calculated and realized I had no way of getting to a supercharger and that I would have to be doing these uh, little stops at these very, very slow chargers along route. This uh, this made me understand why people are so afraid of taking an EV into these uh, rural Canada, rural Nova Scotia, rural New Brunswick kind of areas. So now you know. This is the Deep River Supercharger in Ontario, Canada. It has six stalls. It's in the parking lot of a Canadian Tire, and it has a gas station with a variety store and a washroom. I wouldn't count this as a place where you get get food, because I went into the variety store and I really wouldn't call what they had there food. So this location gets a six. Okay, so I screwed that one up. There's actually a Chinese restaurant and a Tim Hortons not too far away. So this location gets a score of 8 out of 10. Well, hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Vincent coming to you from Suffolk County, New York at the Hop Hog Superstation right off the Long Island Expressway. This is an eight-stall supercharger with four Electrify America CCS combo and one Chadmo station. They they are 50, 100, and 150, and the Chadmo is 100. It has quite a few amenities. You got 
the hurricane chicken you got grilled wings gnc on the other side there's a chipotle and a few other eateries uh it's pretty nicely appointed it's pretty safe it's right off the highway right off of exit 55 on the long island expressway there's no uh, overnight facilities here, but there is one about a mile up the road, so you can't stay here overnight if necessary. Uh, I'd rate this one seven out of 10 for the fact that it's got a lot of different amenities and a lot of different style superchargers for anybody that wants to come out here other than including the Teslas. Now you know. Hello, Now You Know community. This is Joel at the New Haven, Connecticut supercharger location. There's 12 stalls, version three, Charging wise, it's good. It's got some uh, level two chargers back here. There's a Ionic 5 and a Kona charging up and it's all under these solar roofs uh, to get some shade. Uh, the superchargers are just right out in the sun though. Problem is there's a trash can here and then you'd have to walk all the way back to that Ikea for a restroom. And then on the other side of the Ikea is a restaurant and that's it. So there's not much here. It is right off of 95, the interstate uh, here in the background, but uh, just due to lack of minis and how far you'd have to walk, I'd say it's probably only a four, maybe five out of 10. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. We have a map online where you can see all of the Supercharger Reviews, along with all the Superchargers, so you can see the ones that don't have reviews. Maybe you live close to them, you want to review and them. And if you're wondering how you get those Supercharger Reviews to us, it is through that map. It's easy to upload it right there on our website. So we'll put the link down below. You can get there really easily. All right, what do we got for new Superchargers? We got the seven stall in Haisan Place, Hong Kong. Number 144 in Florida is the 20 stall in Miami. Number 15 in West Virginia is the eight stall in Martinsburg at Apple Harvest Drive, West Virginia. We got the two stall 120 kilowatt in Guan, China. The eight stall in Gaspé, Quebec. We got the three stall in Yangzhou, China. Number 11 in Singapore is the three stall at Toyopayo Tesla Center. Number 42 in Arizona is the 16 stall in Scottsdale. Number 66 in Virginia is the 12 stall at Reston at Sunset Hills Road, Virginia. Number 69 in Hong Kong is the six stall in Lee Garden 3, Hong Kong. Number two in Malaysia is the four stall in Iskander Baturi in Malaysia. Number 197 in Canada is the eight stall in Passbebiac, Quebec, Canada. Number seven in Idaho is the eight stall in Boise. Number 115 in Norway is the eight stall in Verdal. Number 393 in California is the 12 stall in El Dorado Hills. Number 137 in Texas is the 19 stall in Houston. The six stall in Hangzhou, China. The three stall in Hangzhou, China. The six stall in Taizhou, China. The six stall in Shanghai, China. The four stall in Ningbu, China. The three stall in Changqing, China. The three stall in Zhangzhou, China. The three stall in Zhenying, China. Number 29 in Minnesota is the eight stall in Toft, Minnesota. The six stall in Shanghai, China. The six stall in Shenyang, China. Another six stall in Shanghai, China. A six stall in Chengdu, China. And number 1848 in China, number 5611 in the world is the three stall in Chengdu, China. Woo, woo. It's a two-pager. Thank you so much for joining us on Tesla Time News this week. We have to thank all of our amazing patrons who support us every month on this show. Um, we cannot do this show without them. I highly encourage that if you like this show, that you help support us. Um, YouTube is paying less, as they always tend to do. Um, and and we can't do the show without your support. Yeah, and if you haven't checked out X lately, I really recommend you head on over there. And if you're like, well, where do I start? Start with our channel. Just follow us at NYK Channel, and uh, you'll be able to see a lot of our videos that go up there every week. And then from there, you can kind of follow some of our followers and kind of get in that way to X. Might be a nice, easy way. Prime the system. Exactly. Prime the algorithm. Into You'll get a lot of pro-Tesla stuff. You won't have to go through all the, you know, the hate. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Now you know. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.